0: It is our fourth anniversary. Oh, wait. Is it our fourth anniversary? It yes. is. It's our anniversary. It's our anniversary.
1: Wait, three. what year
0: was it? Is it three? I'm a little confused by math, but I think, but it's I think three. three. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, everyone. Like any good married couple, we have no idea how long we've been together. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But yeah. Sarah. It's our anniversary. Happy anniversary, friend. Oh, that's nice. It really we is launched true. Season one on va- on Valentine's Halloween. Day. On uh it was like on Halloween Some people's it? Valentine's Day on Halloween. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. See it now really I'm in a good mood. Is, isn't it? Um, so we've been together a long time and that makes me happy. Me too. Me too. Because, you know, we're still together. That's nice. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so three years ago, we started a podcast, Jen and me. We did. And it's called Fated Mates, and you're listening to it now. Welcome, everyone, to Fated Mates. <laughs> it was going to be a short 18 episodes, and here we are over many <laughs> later. <laughs> I am Sarah McLean, and I read romance novels, and I write them. And I am Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader, critic, and editor. Look at how you have changed. This rolls right off the tongue. Ms. Reed's romance. <laughs> so So I have something weird okay. that I would like to share with the class. <laughs> and then we'll get to it. Sure. So a while back I got an email from a man who worked at the Folio Society. Um, which is like sound which is as posh as it sounds. Um, it's an English publisher where they and they take classics that are uh, in the public domain and reprint them in these like very beautiful. I'm showing Jen. We'll put a picture on on the podcast as I'm talking about this. And these very beautiful, like, foiled, designed, cloth-bound. Look, it comes in a box that has a picture. Oh, yeah. They're gorgeous. So he reached out to me, and he was interested in, obviously, so they, they're looking, they don't have any romance in their collection, and asked me in the public domain, and so what are the books that you know, should that they should be thinking about. And um he was like, I, I'm particularly interested in hair because who isn't? When you're looking at like the grandmothers of whatever I mean, I'm not, but hair obviously problematic, but there in our in our history. And he sent me as a gift for talking him through basically a lot of the problematic pieces of right. like why maybe hair, but why, you know, things you should know about hair before you, you know, canonize her. He they in fact did. <laughs> they are, they are, they have printed a beautiful, they've made a beautiful bound copy of Venetia, which is one of her books. But here's the weird thing. So he sent me a copy of it and it's stunning. But the introduction is by Stephen Fry. The, like, that guy. English comedian? Okay, listen. He writes beautifully about poetry. I don't know if you know this. Oh, see, I did not know that because I am a Philistine. So, I will just say, I was very surprised to see that the introduction was by Stephen Fry. But now you, see, you've corrected me. And it's a very, it's a fine, it's a really, like, it's an an introduction that is really respectful of, you know, hair. Sure. Okay. So, Anyway, that's just a thing that happened to me today. I think it should have been a romance person, but... I mean, as somebody who has written an introduction to a reprint of hair, Sure. I feel like, you know... There could have been any number of people who could have done it. K.J. Charles? Any number of people? Stephen Fry, though, I will say, has written a book called The Ode Less Traveled, Unlocking the Poet Within. And it is a truly delightful book about the joys of poetry, if you are interested in that kind of thing. Wow. Look at that. Stephen Fry, jack of all trades. There you go. Anyway, so that's that. But that's not why we're here today. No. We're None here. of this is why we're here today. <laughs> you know what? It's Listen, when I say it has been a week for listen, us each you know, individually. Some people say they like the banter. Sometimes we get emails that we there's too much banter. And sometimes people say they like the banter. So this is for you all. Listen, everybody right now who is a non-bantery person... Just fast forward to the next chapter on Overcast, Uh, and then you can just see. I the banter is chaptered. Everyone, you can just skip it all. I'm going to start calling it banter. It's probably just called banter in this one. (laughs) Now I'm going to start calling it banter. But you know what? I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it like Ted Lasso banter. B A N T R. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to be now. That's what it should. Something should be called that. B A N T R. We should trademark it. I'm pretty sure Ted Lasso maybe has. Wait, is that what it's called, banter? Yes, isn't it? Is it? I don't think that's what it's called. Yes, b a n t r. It's a dating oh, app. Oh, I guess it is. All right. Well, there you go. Then it shouldn't be us. I was like, I don't think that's how that works. So I was like, that's a good name for things. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's so good that a bunch of professional writers named a thing that <laughs> it's on jerseys anyway, and everything. We have to record everyone. We we see you asking us for a season two Ted Lasso I'm still sitting in my feelings about season two I have yeah. a lot of them and we're gonna do well it's coming it'll happen and and uh, Jen I noticed did not share anywhere what I gave her for her birthday which is true I haven't was a very a very Roy Kenty thing I'll put so. it I'll put it on I'll put it on the social media I've been as we've previously discussed kind of a mess yeah <laughs> it's fine but it was Jen's birthday happy it birthday wasn't. friend thank you Okay, we are here though to talk about a book we like. Khana Khan Carries On by Uzma Jalaluddin. Now, this is a book you picked. I picked it because it is, I mean, uh, because I'm just going to say it. 2021 has been real fucking hard. And I you have not had as much trouble reading as I have had. I have not, that's true. But I have been having a lot of trouble getting through books and, like, finding books that really, like, speak to me and make me feel good and, like, give me joy and make me feel, period. And I picked this up because Berkeley sent it to me. Thank you, Berkeley. And I found it totally delightful. Yeah. Like, from beginning to end, I was sucked in. I got a little teary, which we all know is not a thing that happens to me at all. There's a great relationship between uh, between Hana, the main character, and her dad that I really love. And there are just so many interesting side characters. And I just really loved it. And I loved – and it is, you know, it's this beautiful, emotional – interesting romance that has, like, a touch of the epistolary, which we all know I love. And Now that you say that, I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, it really scratches – it's set largely in restaurants. Like, there's a lot about this book that it scratches my itch. And then on top of it, at the end, I just felt really warm and happy. Yeah. So I also think this is a really great example – of, like, the romance itself is very soft, right? And a lot of people, like, really want that. But that, to me, didn't mean that the book wasn't without really interesting, complex, layered conflicts, right? I mean, the romance was soft, but also, Jen, like, there was a real, like, there's a twist at the end, and you're like, oh, cold storage. (laughs) So. (laughs) So, So, I mean, I think, like, that's the part that's really interesting to me is like sometimes I think and maybe I mean people when I say people do this I mean maybe me like people are like I just want a soft romance and to me I'm like ah, they can be a little boring or they can be you know like there's nothing there for me to like kind of hook into and this to me is a really great example of a book that I think kind of manages to do this brilliantly really and also does so much work it as a as a modern contemporary. You know, we've talked so many times about how obviously we say all the time that romance reflects the world that we're in and that the stories that are being told in romance reflect the world that we're in and that the challenge with older contemporaries is often that they no longer feel relevant in right. any way. They just sort of sit there. And so you, what you either end up with is something that is timeless in a contemporary because it just never digs deep into what's happening in the world around, right. around them. Like – I'm thinking about, um, you know, old Nora Roberts or old Sandra Brown contemporaries. It's just sort of they they exist and they are timeless because we can sort of see the threads of mm-hmm. timelessness in them. You know, we so, you know, there's like an every man, every woman kind of experience, every person experience in them. But now, what we're really seeing is in contemporaries romance holding a mirror to society in a really overt way. Yes. And I think that um this book really does that beautifully because it deals with we should talk about the book. Yes. So the main character of this book, Hana, Hana Khan, is the Daughter, the youngest daughter of an immigrant family who has – an immigrant Muslim family that has immigrated from India. To Toronto. Or as we like to call it in our home, clean Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hana's parents moved um, before she was born. She and her sister were born in Toronto. And her parents own a, a halal restaurant in an area of of toronto that is known as the golden crescent i think the golden crescent and um it is the most diverse part of toronto but they own this um a halal restaurant and it's called three sisters biryani poutine (laughs) um which is sort of uh, just from the moment like from the jump it just it's Really charming because there are only two sisters, but her mom, like, the idea of thought three sounded better. So it's right. three sisters. And biryani poutine was Hana's favorite dish when she was a child, which, you know, obviously is this, like, crazy fusion concept. Yes. And it's sort of articulated from the jump as not very good. <laughs> well, like, no one likes it but her, No right? one ever <laughs> buys it or orders it from the menu. Right. And, like, so many restaurants because restaurants are like this – You all know I love a food romance. Um, Restaurants are really hard to make work. and But for uh, families who come from other places, for immigrant families, often restaurants are the – that's the job that they fall into. And so this is a family restaurant. Her sister works there. Her brother-in-law works there. Her Mm -hmm. sister's pregnant. Her parents both both work there. Although her father um, has had an accident and is unable to – he's – He's unable to work now. And the restaurant's in trouble. And Hana is going – but when we meet Hana, we don't meet her as somebody who works in the restaurant. We meet her as a podcaster. <laughs> I loved this from the beginning because I <laughs> am a real asshole like that. I was like, oh, look, it's about me. <laughs> I did love, spoiler, but I did love at the end when, like, her yeah. mentor was like, this needs a co-host. And I was like, it does need a co-host. It does need a co-host. <laughs> it's, she does it under an assumed name. Anna's, Anna, right? Anna's brown girl rambles. And she is just really, it's it's almost more like, like a diary. Like, she's really just, like, exploring her feelings and what she thinks and, you know, kind of what she wants to talk about and, um... She ends up having a, uh, like, striking up a friendship with one of her listeners, uh, a man named Stanley. And so, um. Who's, talk about, and there's this moment in the very, from the very beginning, Stanley was her first. Yes. Listen, it's per, it's presented as Stanley was her first listener, or at least he was the first listener who reached out to her and said, I'm listening. I'm here. And so, it feels a little faded. In yeah you know this whole thing and i think one of the things that i love about this book is it's constantly going back and part of this is because hana and her family and her and 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 the hero as well uh, it, everyone is muslim most of the characters in this book are muslim and they are so that so there is this very real sense of like fate of the kind of you know a per- the world works in yeah. the way that it works and things are destined to be. And I love that about this sure. Because we talked about how hard it, that is. It's romantic to It adds a we layer love faded mates, right? Yeah. Romance to it. Yeah. Here's the other thing I'll say about the book before we talk about like some specifics, which is, and we I guess could introduce Aiden, the hero, in a minute too, although any romance reader will know that Aiden and Stanley are the same person. Spoiler alert. <laughs> It's funny because I expect that perhaps there will be listeners out there who will be like, but how, like he knew her voice from listening to the podcast. And what I will tell you is, listen, <laughs> my friend Ernie, who listens religiously to Faded Mates and knows me and has never met Sarah in real life, is like, I kind of still sometimes think that you're Sarah and Sarah's you. So I completely bought the whole idea that the voice thing doesn't matter. This to me is like a really good example of a rom-com. Like, it truly is the funny. Voice. The voice the, uh, is the so good. The writing, the yeah. actual. So one of the things, I, I mean, we've talked about this, and now, by now, it's our anniversary. In three years, we talked <laughs> about this a lot. Surely, we talked about voice, God, every day we talked about wrestling, right? Yeah. When we talk about Arthurial voice, though, I don't know that we've done this for a while, so it, I think yeah. it's worth doing it again. And this is a great book to do it with. Yeah. There is a real sense for authors, for kind of the authors who end up being authors who are remembered for a long time and beloved, Mm -hmm. often there's a real sense that if you picked up anything this author wrote at any time, about any person, in any world, you would be able to say, oh, that's a Cressley Cole novel, Right. right? Like, that's a Susan Elizabeth Phillips novel. That's a Naima Simone book. And I think that there is um, here the, – and and it's it can't be learned. It's – when you're a writer, this is just how you write. It's the way you put words together. It's the cadence of the language. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, often – I think when you – if you go back to any of the books that we've deep dived on, I think you would probably find that we love authors who have strong voices because right. readers love authors who have strong voices. Yeah. This book is funny. Yeah. And the reason why it's funny is because clearly Uzma is funny. Yeah. I mean, there I want to hang out with her. Right. I want to <laughs> like, I'm like booking a flight to Toronto right now. Uzma, please take me out to right. wherever you want to go. Um, but I just think that it's really a great rom-com. You know, I want to, like, maybe we can talk a little bit more about voice. I think for me, one of the really, like, distinguishing features between a great romance novel and a good one is dialogue. And I'm not Mm. sure that we have talked about this too much, but... Sometimes I read people's prose. The dialogue essentially can be a little wooden. It doesn't read the way that people actually really talk to each other. Or there's like, if you're, I don't know, like text messages that are like very formal, or, right? Like there's a way in which um the register and cadence and the affect with which people talk to each other, like the warmth in your word choice or not, how snappy your comebacks are, right? I think it's, that to me is really what defines a great romance novel and because romance novels are so much about relationships romance novels have a lot of dialogue in them yes maybe i made that up but i believe it to be true and so one of the things i would say is like this is a really good example like her dialogue it just feels like i can i feel like i'm sitting in a booth in the restaurant Listening oh. to people actually talk to each other. A thousand percent. And right? The way the dialogue shifts between characters, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hannah doesn't speak the same way to her grandmother as she speaks to yes. her sister or to her, her friend. father or, to, or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. Iden. And so I think – so, yes, I think this is a magnificent – I also think – what, I've been thinking a lot. Obviously, this year it's hard not to be thinking about rom coms. How do they? How do they work? How are they? How are they put together? When do they work? What does it take? And I think, aside from the obvious, which is it is really hard to be funny mm-hmm. in writing. And I think often people who are writing rom coms are trying, yeah, maybe a touch too hard to be funny, funny, and right. so it doesn't quite land like the way that. The best rom-coms do. In this case, it's all just embedded in the story. Yeah. This the characters are funny, but also there is such a huge cast, and I think that is a piece of the rom-com. That's interesting. I think that's a good point. Now I'm sort of talking on my ass because I'm. This is I'm having the idea mm-hmm. as I'm sure. saying it. So welcome to Faded Mates. It's fine. You tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but. What I think is happening with, with rom-coms, this rom-com, this book feels that way to me. You know, feels like a really, achi- it has achieved what it set out to do. And the reason why I think cast is so important is because you have to be able to see Hana. This is in the first person. You're only in Hana's point of view, and I want to talk about that too eventually because yeah. I think it's a really thoughtful choice. You have to be able to see Hana in all, in all, All of her places, Mm -hmm. in order to with with all of her people, in order to get a full sense of the comedy of Hannah's kind of you know unique life. Yeah, right. She's a podcaster, she's works in the restaurant, she has this job at the radio station. The right, yeah, yeah. intern at the radio station. She's you know, falling for this guy online who is also this guy in real life. Like, so the, in order to understand her and get a full picture of her, and therefore in order to see the comedy in her everyday life, right? So it's not slapstick. It's not, Yeah. you know, nothing happens in this book where you're like, oh, that I, that moment was funny the book is funny because we love hana and we love her personality and in order for us to see it yeah and love it we have to see it in every we have to see it refracted through like every lens does that make sense no it totally does i think the other thing for me is um one of the things i i find myself i find myself thinking about a lot is rom-com as a Phrase to me originated with movies. Yeah. And a lot of those movies, the humor comes from a very different place. It comes from physical comedy. Yeah. And it also comes from humiliation. And often in those movies, it is a woman being humiliated. And I think sometimes people write that into their romance rom-coms. And I think it's a mistake. Because we don't want to see... Our main characters humiliated. Now, that's not to say that Hana does not make some questionable choices, right? So for like, so basically the conflict of the book is Aiden, Aiden wants to um, essentially open up a halal restaurant down the block. And it's gonna definitely drive her already, her family's already teetering on the brink of disaster kind of restaurant right out of business. Like there's no way that's not gonna happen. Well, and Aiden comes, I mean. This is clearly inspired by. Oh yeah, the Tom Hanks shop on the corner. The um, sure, which is the book. What's the? Oh my God, you've got mail. Right. Um, it has a very you've got Mail-y vibe to it, um, and he has a father. Aiden has a father. Has uh, his his mother um, is dead, or I mean, for our purposes at the beginning of the book, she's dead. His father. Is a real estate developer. Yeah. Who and a real has, jerk. Like, who is, has earned the title real estate developer in yeah. 2021. <laughs> right. right? Um, Good way of putting it, so, yeah. So when he comes in, there is a real sense that, like, they are the evil yeah, overlords, right? Like, they are coming in. They are here to ruin this, like, mom and pop world. And, you know, and Hannah is... She does something that isn't great, but I feel like I would do it too. Like, she's stuck, right? She doesn't want to work in this restaurant forever. She has a goal of being on the radio. And everybody in her family is basically like, Hannah, you're going to be on the radio. Like, that's that's what you want. That's your dream. You're going to do it. You're going to achieve it. But she's deeply committed to her family. And she sees the threat. She sees a threat, and she tries to neutralize it. And so she does it in the only way she knows how in 2021. Sure. Which is to get on Facebook. Sure. You sink somebody with rumors. And so she starts, you know, talking about how she's not sure the meat is halal and maybe they're mistreating their workers and, you know, didn't she hear that there were – she saw mouse in the restaurant or whatever. She creates a a fake Facebook account to, like, tank this dude's restaurant. Before it even really opens, yeah. And I think the thing about this moment, right? So like here, I guess I want to like deconstruct this moment because it is clear that she is doing wrong and she knows it's not really right either, but she can't quite figure out what else she's supposed to do. And it feels kind of, you know, keyboard warrior style, like I'm doing something wrong, but how wrong is it really? How much impact will it really have? And, but yet, Like, this is never going to be a thing where Hannah is humiliated or, like, you know, pilloried in front of the town. Is that the word? Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, I think, the difference between sort of the movie rom-com and the book rom-com is that I, it's a, you are really painting yourself into a corner as an author if the way you're going to get laughs is by making us laugh at the characters and that i think is something as opposed to like laughing with them mm-hmm. and i think that this is something that in this book it it i never felt anything but like honestly deep sympathy for everyone and that i think is but it, as you said right it's still a deeply like funny book because it's based in like a kind of reality where though like we have warm tender feelings <laughs> towards this family, and we want to see them succeed, and we want to see their happiness. Absolutely. And pacing, too, for authors out there, like, this is a real masterclass in pacing. Yeah. Because you are, by the time Hannah does this thing, right, starts to sabotage this other restaurant, you are so invested in her and her family and these truly decent people being decent to each other and supporting each other and loving each other and, like— you just want to be adopted into the Khan family. And so when she does this, you think to yourself, well, yeah, it's Scorpio season. <laughs> and so I'm for this. Like, yeah. you stand between, if, you know, anybody who stands between Hana's family's happiness. Yeah. You know, Hana's family and their happiness deserves what they get. Yeah, um, And so it's interesting because, but also because... The way that it's written, what what Uzma does is she um she uses Stanley, the the online persona mm-hmm. as the voice that is kind of encouraging Hana to do these things. Right. <laughs> Which is brilliant. So Aiden is sabotaging himself in many ways, right? right? Because right. on the one hand, he's telling Hannah, um, he's telling Anna, right? Like her, you know, the podcaster, to fight for what she believes in and do whatever right. it takes. Do whatever it and, takes, you know, yeah. whatever. And then at the same time, he – and so she's doing it, but she's harming him yeah. in real life. Right. Yeah. So it's worth saying, is it really harming him because, you know – the restaurant is never fully under threat. It is always right. the cons restaurant that is really. Well, it. and I think that's the part about. It's so deftly done because this is tricky. Here's why it's far superior to, to You've Got Mail. <laughs> yeah. It ends right, first it, of all. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> but also it's. It's clear that like her mother, you know, her father has been is really sick and can't help in the restaurant. Her mom is tired and doesn't want to do it anymore. Her sister has and and Hannah both have dreams of their own. So closing the restaurant is actually a, a an act of letting go rather than a like a, a something that was you know like and you've got mail. She loves her fucking bookstore and does not want to close. And the you know and the fact that he shuts her down is. Is never really okay. Like, sometimes, Mm -hmm. occasionally, I will think about that movie and be like, what the fuck? Like, honestly, right? it's the worst ending of any movie ever. right? And so, I think that's the other thing is, we know from the very beginning that the, you know, there's a really powerful thread in this book of, like, kind of old ways versus new ways. Yes. And I think that that's the thing that is so powerful in this book is... You know, they're clinging to the restaurant because that's who they were. It's what made them a family. It's what, you know, kind of made them their citizens it of their neighborhood, them, right? Afloat. Yeah. yeah. And so it brought to let them, them a that community. Go, yes, exactly. But realistically, the time is right for them to let it go. So that's, I think, the part that is so much more richly developed is that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the restaurant itself is – no one's attached to the restaurant in the same way. I mean, what's interesting is that, as you said the the restaurant means is more of a it's more a talisman, right? It's a metaphor for so much other stuff. And I think that, as one of the glorious things about this book is how it just honors community constantly. There are so many webs of community that are discussed in this book that are articulated. You know, it's community at at worship. It's community in literal, physical community. The mm-hmm. the people who work around the restaurant. Yeah. It's friends who they've had, who Hannah has had since birth. It's yeah. her relationship with her family. It's her relationship with this, like, a family member comes from India at one point yes. in the book. And he's terrific. He's yeah, such right. a fun character. Right. Maybe he's in the mafia. We don't know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and what's what's amazing about it is he turns up and he's instantly a piece of this puzzle. Right. And then ultimately what's fascinating is that you you notice you what's definitely kind of knit together by the end is that there is a large community of people who understand um or who know the secrets of Aiden's past. No secrets that Aiden doesn't know. But, yeah. and I think um this Question of having a community, and and one of the things that I kept coming back to was so let's talk about that. So Aiden's mother is not dead, right? And it's revealed very close to the end of the book that, like, he was raised by his father. He believed his mother died, like his father told him his mother died. Um, and his mother did not die. She is living quite happily in India with a new husband and children and she just does not have well access. and but the father essentially forced her to give up Aiden. yeah I mean she didn't choose to leave no exactly this is it it was a it's a tragic story and here this woman has just wanted to re- be reunited with her son and somehow the opportunity arises when Hana's aunt and cousin come over because they know her. right one of her aunties and right. it's fascinating how this, again, it's this stitched together community. It's And Hana and her family have this like healthy community of people who they know and love and care for. And, and when Hana's aunt comes over, she's pissed. Like she comes over to f- get justice for her friend. But Aiden has been raised in a solitary way, right? He doesn't have community at all. He only has his father. He has his father. And so what you see here, talk about heroin's journey, really uh-huh. articulated, cl- like, perfectly in this book, Yeah, is you see the, the dichotomy of it. You see that the community brings information, but also hope and love and caring and health and welfare, all of everything. And being alone and isolated— is the opposite of all those things. And I didn't get brought into Hannah's world in this way. It's like something about this makes him realize what he's been missing. He's like a little puzzle piece that gets to, f- that the community is yeah. going to find a place for him. He's welcome from the start, from the jump. So Hannah has her personal podcast, but she also has a, I, so we have to talk about some of the Islamophobia that that yes. Hannah faces, and yes. it plays out in a couple of different ways. So, in she also has a, an internship at the local like public radio station. I don't. That's how I read it, like NPR. Like I don't. it's Canada. So I don't know if it. Yeah, but I don't. Canada. So I don't know what see, it is. It's, but, no, because she works for the CBC, doesn't she? I don't it know. doesn't matter. It, and you know what? It really reminded me of a lot. So there's a woman at her. She has like a, a fellow intern. Thomas. Thomas, and then their boss is this white woman named Marissa. And Marissa, if if you read Adriana Herrera's American Dreamer and remember Misty, mm-hmm. you know who, you ought, you know who Marissa is. So this is that kind of white woman who is, like, so gracious. Like, look at how awesome she is giving these nice, brown, 23-year-old internship jobs. And she's going to, you know, kind of tell herself how great she is and encourage them to sort of tell certain stories, but in the way that she wants. And Hana senses, or is able, I think, earlier to, to name that this... That they're being used essentially. Well, because the stories are like underscoring exoticism. Yes, um, they're about Islamophobia. And, there, there's you know. one point Thomas says, "My pain makes for good storytelling, right? It makes me more relatable." Yeah. Like, and of course, he's being facetious, but yeah, that that I under I marked that line because that's the that's the struggle constantly, right? When, you know, we white people get involved in this. Yeah. And Hana essentially like is like I don't really want any part of this. This uh, w- this is not going to turn out well. And Thomas is sort of a, more of a like, well, you know, like let's go along with it. And you know, what I thought was really great about it is she goes home to her parents and just sort of like I'm really upset about what's happening and I think she expects that they are going to be like, yes, you are right. And they have their own story of, like, what they had to go through, right? And her mom well, tells the story about kind of being, you know, a white woman like, pushes her cart in the store when she was really, you know, new to the country and tells her to go back home. And, and these are painful kind of family stories that are... Hannah's never heard before because in some ways they're so pedestrian that her parents never bothered to tell them. Well, there's also this push-pull. Thomas is an immigrant himself, right? He, yes. He came from India and was not born here. Right. And he had to learn English as a right. child here um, or can- in Canada. And— Hannah, we talked about this with Adriana in the mm-hmm. immigrant episode, and we talked about this. We touched on this a little bit when we talked about Alexis Daria's You Had Me at Ola, because there is there is a conversation about immigrants and children of yeah. immigrants in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked about this before as a child of immigrants. There is a real sense of the life is different when you were born yeah. in the new place. Although, Marissa, of course, was like at one point was like, you know, it's your city too, Hannah. You've been here for years. And Hannah yeah, was like, and I was born. And here. I shouldn't have said life is different. I mean yeah. uh, what I mean is like your reaction to sure, it your is conception a different, of the world, right, of course. Right. And you because you are naturally however you are perceived by white right. people, you know yourself to not be other, right? You are of a place. So, to be so powerfully othered, right, in that moment is something that Hana is sort of, I guess I would say, like, it, it's clear it's not that she's, like, never dealt with this before, but she's pretty young. I think she's 23 or 24. She's an intern. This is, like, her first job outside the family restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so, she's navigating this stuff kind of officially, maybe, right, for the first time. So, there's that level of Islamophobia that is happening to her, but then there's an actual like hate overt. crime, essentially, yeah. right? They're a, vi- a victim and of um, they're out touristing, you know, like kind of seeing, I think, the Blue Jay Stadium or they're by the CN Tower. They're taking pictures of. Yeah, with her cousin and. The skyline, essentially, like the towers. Yeah, right. And uh, a group of white men verbally assault them in a way that is very scary. They're very aggressive, they're physically threatening. And, um, Hannah is, you know, no one does anything to help them and they get away. No one is physically injured, but it is a deeply unsettling and very scary moment. And, um, her cousin had a YouTube, like put it up on YouTube and Mm -hmm. this then causes Hannah's family to really fall, you know, like he, th- he thinks I'm just well, doing something to help people understand what it's like. And Hannah right. and her sister are like, no, you now have just put the spotlight on us and our family. I mean, again, it so many, so many layers of identity are, are playing out in this book because he is not Canadian, right? He hasn't, and he's just, vis- he's a visitor. So there's. And he's young. He's younger than her. Yeah, but also there's a kind of misunderstanding of what could, of, of additional dangers in this. And it's it's so complex and nuanced and and, I mean, and it ends up being about kind of all the layers of right. who we are. Well, and for me, what was really powerful was the way that these two things intersect is that, we see what Hannah goes through. And we also, as people in the world, understand, like, the radicalization of white men is terrifying and happening at this unbelievably fast rate. But what want, what Marissa at NPR Canada, whatever it's called, wants her to do is she wants a story on, like, Muslim radicalization. And so Hannah is like, but why are we talking about muslim radicalization when we should be talking about yeah, ra- radicalization of white men? And that was the way in which like sort of, you know, we really s- she v- ver- she very clearly draws the line between uh like the I'm a good white lady narrative unable to see that what happened to Hannah is part of a much larger pattern that Hannah is aware of, anybody paying attention is aware of, but this woman's like, no, we're going to talk about Muslim radicalization. And it's a really, like, a, and this is, I think, when Hannah, like, gets up and walks out. She's like, I'm not going to do it. But this is what I'm saying. Like, this is powerful. It was, like, really amazing. It was, like, right in the middle of this rom-com. It was serious business. Well, this is my point about you're looking at a book that's doing so much work. Like, this is what – in the grand scheme of things, when we talk about romance novels and, like, what they can do, this book is such a great example of what they can do. Right. Because at the same time, while all of this important stuff is happening and these important conversations are being had in the text, the, there's this really glorious love story that's, that's just kind of quietly chugging along and all you want is for these two people to just sort of find their way to each other. And they are seeing each other in all of this. You know, Aiden is there. Hannah gets knocked down mm-hmm. during this um altercation with the white guys at the these white men yeah. at um, you know, whatever tower. You know, they're all there together. There's a kind of but there's there's and there's just a sort of sense of these two being for each other, right? Supportive of each other, and even as in real life, they're they're battling yeah. it out. Well, and one of the things I also really like is because we talked about at the beginning. This book is so much about community. We get the like love stories or the marriage stories of lots of other people in the book. Mm-hmm. So Hana has kind of her lifelong two best friends, Yusuf and Lily. Um, have been kind of off again, on again, since the minute they met when they were like eight or nine and, you know, they were always sort of like the three musketeers, but it was, Hanna always knew that Yusuf and Lily were kind of perfect for each other, but you know, their families don't approve. And so like, what are they going to do about that? And then, you know, Hannah hears the story of her own parents. Um, you know, we get the story, the the terrible story of Aiden's parents, but the greatest story oh. in this book <laughs> right, it's so good. Is her is her auntie comes over, right? And you know, there's this. You know, she has to give up her room, and she's never met this woman before, and you know, and and this is a woman who she's heard these stories about her her entire life as Billy Appall, but then she sort of learns her formal name. And it takes her a while to even put together. Wait, like, oh, wait, I know this person. I've heard these stories, and she interviews yeah. her. For her, like kind of real radio project, which is she wants people to be able to tell their own stories. Well, it's called Family Secrets. Oh, you know I love a family secret. Yeah, Um, no, it's so good, and I don't want to give it away because it is truly you have to read it. So delightful, so good. It involves you know like a (laughs) woman in a tree, and it's terrific. And so um but it's really yeah you're right there's just this constant sense of again this this idea of yeah. like people just being fated to like be with each other to be in each other's orbit well, to and know even, each other like the story of the woman um, in the tree right is so one of the things that like here's a woman who actually like her parents are like you have to marry somebody that's how the story starts out and it's like her trying to get out of it i'm not going to say much more than that but like the story, when she tells it, mm-hmm. she talks about, like, how it ends up however many years later, right, with her real true love. And I found myself thinking, like, isn't this how all stories of fate begin and end, right? Like, if X, Y, or Z things wouldn't have happened then, right? And so, you know, like, your parents in a yeah, saying, I'm like, you right. have to get married and here's who it's going to be, you know, just show up and get married, the, that behavior and what she does at that moment is what allows her to find her real true love. Yeah. yeah. That's what I love about everything's connected. Everything's connected. It's magnificent. I think that's the other thing about this book that I really loved is there is this sense from the start. I mean, yes, I talked about fate and and how it's written into the text in so many different ways. But there is this sense from the start that you are on this journey and that the payoff like all these threads, at, at first, at first you kind of sense, all right. Well, all these people mm-hmm. are going to obviously. We're living in this world, and the world. Initially, yeah. you're you're thinking like the world building in this is great because I feel like I could walk away with any one of these yeah. characters and like follow them into their house and read yes. a totally different book about any one of these characters because they're all so mm-hmm. fully, magnificently formed, but then. You start to get a sense, maybe a third of the way through, that there is a larger, mm-hmm. pl- there's a larger plan, and that what Uzma is doing is moving yeah. all of these characters are chess pieces, and at some point, it's all going to come together in some like mm-hmm. some way, some kind of way, and you're just along for the ride. And by the end, when it all stitches together and it's clear that, you know, his past, his secrets and her past and her Mm -hmm. family and their community and everything is just puzzle pieces. Everybody fits together. And, of course, they were all faded. It's so good. I want to talk about why he should be in cold storage. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because… You're led for the first, you know, two-thirds of the book to think that yes. Anna is the one who is— who right. is, has, has done wrong. —kind of out of line for right. trying to sabotage this restaurant. And you understand why she mm-hmm. did it, but ultimately she starts to feel yeah. guilty too because she's like, oh, I kind of like him. Like, he's, he's nice. And the whole time you're thinking, oh, the fallout is going to come yes. when he reveals that he's Stanley. Like— You as a reader are told the whole – you know the secret. You think you know the secret. And it's so clever because Hannah's radio show is about family secrets, 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 secrets. All these secrets are everywhere. And you as the reader feel like, (laughs) I know the secret. I knew the secret from page one. Like back on page one, I knew. And then Mm – and this is where I want to talk about first person because it – this book could only work in first person. You know my problem isn't first. Person. No, I know. No, I'm just saying this book could only work in first person because but Aiden says so I picked the place for the restaurant because I wanted yeah. to show my dad that I was ruthless and I wanted to put you out of business. <laughs> and when we see that, we're betrayed, too, because we thought we knew the secret. And now there's this whole other secret that we didn't know. It hurts. And I think that's the and thing about family secrets, right, is with time, when someone it's someone else's story, we can, like, be on the outside and look in and think, well, of course, and it's okay, and it all worked out for the best. But when— then all of a sudden the secret is blowing up in your face and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. And and yet we sort of still feel bad for him, right? Like it's clear that he felt like he was pushed into this corner, but it's, it's, it just goes to show you that like, yes, secrets are fascinating and it's important that we know how families work and secrets are such a big part of how families operate, But when this secret gets revealed and you're Mm -hmm. the one who gets harmed, oh, poor Hana. Poor Hana. Yeah. It hurts. And then he says what all romance heroes say in this scenario, which is, I never knew, I didn't realize I was gonna fall for you. (laughs) And Hanna calls him on his shit. And it is great. She says, That's not love. Love doesn't deceive or play games or always take. And it's so grown up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's so like honest and real and she's hurt and he's hurt and they're both kind of broken and it's terrible and then they separate and then the best part about it and honestly I just admire this so much for the writing of it because I in my lifetime have never written a moment like this (laughs) didn't end with the hero crawling on glass because he deserved it. Um he says I deserved she you know they're talking about yeah. how she was pissed at him and he says I deserved it and and she says yes yeah. you did and now right. now you do better. I mean that's the expectation is there it's you're a good person right. I'm a good person we are we're we're people together. Right. But I need you to do come better. to step up and do better. And there's such Right. It's so grown up. It's so modern and fresh and contemporary. And it's all the things that we've talked about, about what Mm -hmm. romance is doing right now. It's so realistic in many ways. Like it's a really, it's a meeting of, it's an I see you. Like we see each other. Well, and I think it's really important then, like when I think about the, the thing about, so all, like we heard all the family stories, right? Of how the people fall in love. And the thing is, is like, And we talked about this with Cressley Cole over and over again. Yes, it could be your fate, but you still have to decide that you're not, that you're going to go with it, right? You have to decide that this person's worth it, that you're going to work on it, that you're right, like whatever it is that those things are. And I think that that's what becomes really clear when in that moment where she's like, okay, if you say you're going to do better, then we have a future together. And that's something that, like, we're making together and we're deciding together. And our families are part of it, too. And, you know, there's this whole sense of, like, welcoming him really into the family where his father had been so difficult and been so – nobody likes this guy, including Aiden himself. And so to have him finally kind of really – literally find his family when his mother is returned to him, but – also figure like get welcomed into Hana's family. And the community of the of mm-hmm. the street, right? And the store. And it's like all of a sudden this thing he'd done for really cutthroat terrible reasons ends up making his world so much bigger. It's so nice. Yeah, it's it really is. such a beautiful book. It is. Uh, yeah, I just I really love this book. I love this book. Um I also want to shout out the fact that in the acknowledgment, she thanks her sons. And she says, your continued indifference to my writing career is a great reminder of what is truly wow. important in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which just felt yeah. very real. I will say, too, you asked um, me today if I, had thought of, if I could think of any other books where, like, someone has a podcast. And I really – no. I'm not but asking I, for that i, I, I just But I, I would say, like – I think the thing about a podcast versus, like, the radio is we really get to see the difference mm. between, like, the project of, of her heart versus, like, the work, do, the assignment. And I think the thing that she mm. figures out by mm-hmm. the end, and this is why she's such a great character, is she's like, how can I take, like, the kind of the project of my heart that's, you know, the my little The Brown Girl podcast was... Kind of like almost like a, I'm just going to barf up, out my feelings and I'm just going to talk about things that are on my mind and it's going to be real unstructured and it's going to be real loose. It's just going to be driven by whatever I'm going through. Um, But then when she makes the Family Secrets podcast, it's so much more produced. And it's her saying, I now have a vision for the kinds of stories I want to tell and I practiced in this one format, but now I'm going to perfect it in another. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah's a very cool character. I mean, I read this book in the spring, and she, as you know, because yeah. Jen knows this, because I've been talking about this book since I read it. Yeah. it. She just, she's with me. You know, I think about her all the time, and that yeah, is character. the true measure of, you know, a character who—, yeah. who Really deserves to be on the page. I loved it. I mean, we loved it. it. I would also say, like, this to me is, Hannah is 24, I think. This is, um, I think, a really great example of, like, a, sometimes it's kind of like, who's the audience for this romance? This is a book I think anyone could read and like. I mean, it—you could hand it to absolutely. It anyone. really straddles, I think, in some ways, almost like the line of mainstream fiction. Well, it's so big, There's so, There's many, many, so characters, many characters There's going on. Yeah, this is really romantic fiction. You know, we we've been talking about that this this year too. A lot of you know, well, where does it fit? And what, is it romance? Is it? It's so clearly a romance, but it is romantic fiction in the sense that it, you know. Is, is big. And that's, has nothing to do with, you know, this is a, this isn't even just closed door. Like there's no, there's not even kissing in this book. Right. So it's, and that's, it's not about that. It's about the fact that this book is really telling like the story of them becoming a couple and kind of that like push pull of like who they are and who they want to be is a a really important part of the book. You couldn't take it out of the book, but Hannah's life is so layered and faceted and we get looks at, we get all that, that this is a book that anyone who is like, you know, I might like a romance. Like if I had a bookstore, I would put this, you know, front and center as like a, this is, this is a book to read if you are looking, are curious about romance. I mean, you could also give this book to uh, like to teenagers. I mean, you know what I mean? Like this, it really Mm -hmm. is a, a showcase, I think for what, For what the genre can do. It's also. Yeah, the writing's great. It's great writing. I mean, it's a really, really good book. And that is probably why Mindy Kaling is making it into a movie. And uh, that's great. I'm for that. I can't wait to watch it. And I think this is her second book. She also wrote Aisha at Last or Aisha at Last, I think it's pronounced. Is that a, it's a Pride and Prejudice retelling? So I didn't (laughs) know. You don't read Pride. I didn't know you didn't read Pride and Prejudice retellings. I know, but you know that like Pride and Prejudice is basically just enemies to lovers, right? Sure. The grumpy one and the sunshine one? Okay. Whatever. So. And this is nothing against like, (laughs) there was like kind of, yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, no, it is a loosely, a modern-day Muslim Pride and Prejudice for a new generation of love. But, yeah, if you tell me it's a Pride and Prejudice retelling, I'm just going to pass right over it. Sorry. Actually, also, I pass okay. right over Pride Fair and enough. Prejudice. So, so it's it's like a, the whole, whatever that is. That's fine. That whole Sorry, you're just, everybody. look at you! You're you're just, only, you know, you're just showing I'm a awful. garbage person in a lot of ways, and not liking <laughs> Pride and Prejudice is one of them. We started with me saying I was a philistine, so it works out fine. Here we are, Fated mates. Okay, so you can read that too. It's also great. I have read that, and it is terrific. Next week. Oh, next week! Tell everybody what's happening next every week, week. We're going to do our best of the year episode and we went around and around and around about this but i think the long and the short of it is it's really like books that got us through mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. are the books that just got us through for in in a lot of different ways so i what i what i'm excited about is i feel like there's a lot of books on there, books that we've probably talked about already, but there are a lot of books on there that I think you'll be like, wait, what's this? Because, you know, there's like those little ones you read that just like stick with you. And so I think it'll be a fun list. We'll talk more next week about how we create these lists. But when I made my list, I was like, what are the books that I have thought about for the year? like Or reread. That have stuck with me. And so uh, it's always hard too because we can't put, we have a rule that we don't put books on by people who are not our, who are our friends. Because we try to keep, we a, little to keep a little bit of, bit yeah. of you know, of integrity here at of Me. It's just like a, a hand, a smattering of it. <laughs> There's a couple books right there on the bubble where I'm kind of like, eh, but you know what? We're talking about that next week too. But that'll be exciting. And we'll talk more about where you can get those books too. Yeah. And also, Yes, you will be able to buy the box from Old Town Books. In fact, it is possible that we will have a link now to buying the box. You would yes. have to buy it trusting us that you just want the books because we're not. Old Town isn't releasing the list until we release the list. But you can buy the books. From, you will be able to buy the books in a box, the same way you did last year from Old Town Books. And, um, you know, there's a supply chain, everything. We'll talk about that next week, too. But if you just want to support great romance novels... We got you covered for the end of the year. And then we're going to have some more Trailblazer episodes. And our next Mm read-along is going to be, it's like you get to pick your poison. We're going to talk about the famous or infamous, depending on how awesome you think they are. There's a trio of Tiffany Rice Harlequin desires. Yeah. There's three of them. There's a Halloween one. There's a Thanksgiving one. And then there's a Christmas one. And you just pick one. We'll talk about all three. And that's going to be really fun. So that'll be a fun one to do because they're terrific. Because it's the holidays and short books are what you want to read. And then, you guys, it's almost the end of the year. I can't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I say one more thing about those Tiffany Rice books? I think they're on Hoopla. So if you have access to Hoopla through your public library, you you should be able to find them there. Cool. Uh, this is Faded Mates. I'm Sarah. I'm here with my friend Jen. You can find us at FadedMates.net, which is where our website lives. You can find us at FadedMates on Twitter, at Mates Pod on Instagram, Where you can, you know, talk to us, tell us you love us, tell us you wish we didn't banter so much. You know, we take all feedback, you know, and um, we are happy to have you. We hope you're reading some great books this week.